0: God is good. I feel like it has been a long time since I shared God's Word, since we had uh, our uh, Pastor Mimi as well as uh, Pastor Sue Kim, who was with us a couple of weeks ago, sharing the messages. I am, if you've been following, if you are anyway close to my Facebook friend, you know I've been consumed with a couple of books the last two weeks. But I think for about two and a half weeks, I've really been engrossed in a couple of books by uh, this missionary who went to Somalia in the 1990s. And when, when they went in and, and six years in Somalia, when they went in, there are supposedly known 150 known Christians in the country. When they left, there were four known Christians in the country. They left as if like they failed what God called them to do. And before they returned, their son, one of their sons died in Africa as well. And they, out of their uh, painful experiments, they went on a journey. What does it mean to follow Christ in difficult places? How do we encourage and how do we strengthen, how do we support those who uh, follow God in difficult places? He wrote two books. One was Insanity of God. The second one is Insanity of Obedience. I love it. And, you know, and this is the first book that I read more than once. I'm reading and I, back and forth. And I, I'm a lazy guy, so I got an audible. So I listen while I read. So it's been good. I mentioned that book just to say a comment. One of, I mean, there are a number of stories you know, and, and that wrecked my heart. But one of the things, the comments made by Chinese underground uh, church pastors, and, and this Nick, it was a, uh, this Dr. Nick, Nick uh, Ripkin was his name. When he was uh, talking with some of the Chinese underground church leaders, you know, he was, you know, excited about what God is doing in China, how there are over, supposedly over 100 million Christians in China in underground churches. And when he said that, that uh, Chinese underground church pastor said, I think the number is overinflated. I, we think, and, and he, he uh, Dr. Nick, begin to say, "You know what? This is the most conservative number anybody ever gives." But he said, "I, I know why you're saying, that, but to us, I bet probably two thirds of those are members of church, but only one third probably are followers of Christ, true followers of Christ." And and there, the definition of uh, the definition of. Uh, you know, he said, this is what they said, probably two-third of these people you mentioned regularly attend the ch- house church. Most of those people have been baptized. Most of those people contribute financially to the work of a house church. He paused before continuing, but we do not consider church members to be true followers of Jesus until they, had led, they have led other people to Christ and until they have helped plant more house churches and you know implications are powerful and strong and and i'm not trying to rebuke anyone anything no just a reminder for us that point is not that you we become members of a church point is that we become fully true followers of jesus christ and you know i love ruth and, and 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 you being part of our church, but also for all of us, I want us to be more than members of an an organization, that we will be truly followers of Christ, doing what God called us to do and living as God called us to live. And and in light of that, uh, Dr. Nick mentioned a few things. Central question uh, uh, brings to the surface other important questions that he asked, a couple of things. Is there anything in our lives we are holding outside of God's authority and control. Is there any place in the world where we, we are unwilling to go for him? Is there anyone we are unwilling to love or forgive? Just think about that a little bit. God just, you know, as I was reading this book, these two books, God was reminding me why when God brought me to Maryland first time 30 years ago, and I remember uh, being in this, uh, being the church before Hope Church, you know, before it became Hope Church, that, um, that I, I asked God, what, what, what is my calling? What should I do? How shall we build a church here? And, God, and I remember saying, God, we want to build a church that makes disciples. People who are self-sufficient, growing and strong in Christ Jesus. Not just members of the church, not just who attends church. Surely not CEO Christians. You know, if you went to membership, you know what that means. CEO Christian, meaning Christmas and Easter only Christians. Not that. You you know what I'm getting at. I remember that was the desire. We wanted to build, we want our church to be where we are making passionate lovers or followers of true followers of Jesus Christ our Lord. More than attenders, more than just one who comes and goes to the church. No. Those who are sold out, living out the faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to talk about probably this book many, many more weeks to go. And I'll be reading, and I'm making notes, and I'll share one of those, some more of those stories with you. What I want to do today, since this is the first Sunday of Advent, Advent season actually begins a church calendar. Usually, I have four Sundays of Advent, then Christmas. Because, uh, because the four Sundays in December, before Christmas, this is, the, this is the first Sunday of Advent, which the theme is hope. I love hope. I love the name hope. We are hope. And I love it. And what I want to do today really is a little bit about, you know, retelling the stories of Christmas, of, of the Advent or Christmas a little bit. And I want to do that a little bit. And uh, um, if you have good memory some, what I'm going to share might resemble one of the messages I shared many years ago on December 1st, okay? I will not tell you what year, but okay. hope is our theme. Title is, In the Beginning, and RK is a word in Greek. Just, that's the only phrase I know in Greek, just to show, show off people I study Greek anyway. But, uh, today's text is John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. And chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, let me begin by saying this. Most of us, when you think about Christmas, most of us know some of, a lot of the stories in Christmas. You know, the story is in Matthew where magi that come from the east and, and looking for a baby in, in Bethlehem. Remember this? And we also know stories of the uh, Mary and pregnant, well, fully pregnant Mary and Joseph. Going down to Bethlehem, maybe on a donkey, or maybe on a foot. You know you know the story how they found no place to lay their head because there was no place in the inn. You know the stories. And you also know the stories like shepherds in a, uh, uh, and watching sheep in the field and how angel shows up and declares a savior is born. You know those, some of those stories. But... We have, uh, we have four different Gospels in the, in the Bible that talks about and gives, a, and gives testimony of Jesus Christ. Four different Gospels give four different testimony of Jesus. If you think about it, in, to understand the really Christmas, the Advent, you have to look at all those four stories, four places. First of all, in Matthew, it begins with a genealogy. Chapter 1 begins with, Who has So so and so had a so and so and who the father and son of who and when all the genealogies goes on and then goes on to talk about uh, Mary's Mary's being pregnant and the stories of Magi coming. It begins with genealogy because in Matthew, uh, the gospel of Matthew, Matthew focuses Jesus as the promised savior. Speaks of God of history, a God of promise who sent his son to come. In the in Gospel of Mark, second Gospel of Mark, there's no birth account whatsoever of Jesus. They go straight in to John the Baptist saying, Repent and believe, repent and be prepared the way of the Lord. And it really, and talks about repent and believe in the Gospel because in Mark, Gospel of Mark, Mark is saying Jesus came. As a servant. You don't talk about genealogies of the servant. You don't talk about how servant was born. So they doesn't mention that at all. In Luke, Gospel Luke, third Gospel has most details of the birth of Jesus. With Zechariah and Elizabeth being pregnant with, uh, with uh, John the Baptist. And Mary, you know, meeting Elizabeth and all the other stories. As well as how they went to the Bethlehem and, and, and difficult season, and all those things. But one of the things you notice if you go back and look at the stories is that every time, every story ends with worship. The shepherds in the field praises God. and Mary when she realizes she's pregnant, and she praises God. Zachariah and and, and, and Elizabeth, when they, they in, in their pregnancy, she, they praise God. When Simeon, you know, and when Jesus' baby, Jesus, went to a, a temple to be circumcised and presented, Simeon, the old prophet, he worships God. There's always worship in Luke. But in Gospel of John, there's no birth account of Jesus at all. Nothing. It doesn't mention about. Manger, it doesn't mention about Magi or any of those. It doesn't even mention genealogy. But if you really look at the story and, and the story of the Advent, the, Chris, the Christmas, you have to start from John. Because John begins with the word, in the beginning. In the beginning. Now, if you are a Bible geek, like me and Pastor Mimi, you know that in the beginning is really, you know, uh, the first three, phrase, first three words of the Bible. In Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, remember in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. In the beginning. John 1, 1, and, and, and John, who was the beloved disciple of Jesus, who spent time with Jesus, he, he was the uh, most favorite one of Jesus. I think, he he thinks that way. And and he's seen Jesus doing all the miracles, walking on the water, how he stopped the storm, and he he saw how Jesus died on the cross, resurrected, and all that Jesus has done, and he, after all the gospels written, when he's way, way old, he writes this account of Jesus by saying, in the beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. I like that background with the, in the galaxy and everything. Right? And it is really uh, re- sort of uh, God, Apostle John is intentionally reflecting back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. What John is doing is before even even genealogies of everything, even before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, before Magi's come and all those, even before all these things, the story of Jesus begins with in the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning. You see, God was now somehow in heaven thinking, what have I done? The world that created is all a mess. He was not having a second thought. From the beginning of even creation, God knew and planned. Even before creating man and woman, human beings, God already planned the Savior, the Son, Jesus to come to save us. So let me read that today's text. John 1, verse 1 through 4. If you have a Bible with you, follow along in your own Bible. I I have NASB up there. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being in him was life and the life was the light of man. That's really the text we are looking at. And And John begins very majestic, very uh, glorious ways talking about Jesus. You see, Advent, the coming of Jesus Christ, the Christmas, didn't begin with the manger in the city of Bethlehem. It goes way, way further than angels' announcement to a virgin girl Mary. It goes still further than the promises God made centuries before his birth to a pro- prophets. It goes further than God's promise to Adam and even, be- even before that. It begins with eternity in the beginning. You see, what John is saying is, what John is, saying is even before anything, he was. God and he is God you see it all began with God it began way before the birth of Jesus through Mary it began with God he begins by saying that here in the beginning was the word and he begins by saying very clearly and powerfully Jesus is God that's what he's saying Jesus is God He's not just a baby that came. It's not just a a baby that was born in Bethlehem. He is actually God. He is God. That's the point he's making. Yes, the Son of God came as a baby, a human being in Jesus. But he was way before he he even came as a baby. Before the Son of God was was Jesus in the Old Testament, he had many different names. He came in many different ways. Sometimes he's called the angel of God. An angel of the Lord. And sometimes he came in many different ways. Jesus is God. And look at the words a little bit. In the beginning was the word. And John chose the word, 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 W-O-R-D. What is word? Think about it. What is word? What is, really, the word is the thoughts that we have in our mind that is expressed, that is word. Because as I talk to you, as I talk to you with words, you are not thinking my thoughts because I spoke words to you and now you are hearing my thoughts, what is inside and coming out. When when Apostle John said, in the beginning was the word, he's saying the God, son of God, was God's mind expressed. Now you know the Bible, when you look at the Genesis 1 when God created heaven and the earth. Eight times it says, God said, God said, I don't know if you ever thought about that. God said, Does God have mouth? Does he have a vocal code? But the Bible said, God said, Let there be you know, night and day. God said, let there be the earth be teeming with things. Now if God didn't have mouth, how did he speak? Right? How did he speak? Think about that. You, you, we speak because we have a vocal cord and the air that's coming out makes sounds. But what, what we never thought about really was that in the beginning, God, when God created heavens and you see, God is unhe- unseen, invisible being. Out of all that God's mind, God's, God's thoughts were expressed by the words. God speaks, and came into being. In the beginning, in the in the beginning, was the Word. This Word was with God, and what was God? Does it make sense? You see, this is important because in our generation, and and there are other many religions out there talks about God, uh, Judaism, and. And Muslims, Jews and Muslims and Christians believe there's one God. Hindus believe there are over 300 million gods, many, many gods. And and, 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 and uh, Buddhists actually don't believe there's any God. We become like God, and we become human beings. We become, you know, we want to go into the place of uh, 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 emptiness. We're not out of the pain, whatever. Too much to go into. But see. The claim, what Apostle John is saying is the birth of Jesus really preceded all that by God in the beginning. He is God. The second thing he says, not only is he, was, he was God with God, he says, without him was nothing made that was not made. There's not, there, was not, there was not anything made that was Made without, okay. I'm sorry, I'm not reading this. Without him was not anything made that was made. Very bad language, is it? Must be NASB, NAS, NASB does that. Um, it's meaning all things are created by God, by Jesus. Everything created without, nothing was created without Jesus. He is created God, he, now he is, he's God, he's created all things. He's source of all things. The third, he says, he's give up life. In him was life. In him was life. He is a give up life. He's sustain sustainer of life. You know, and some of us remember the biblical story how when God created man out of the dust, he formed it and he breathed his breath into it. And became a living being. God gave. Jesus our God. Gave everything life. He is the give up life. He begins by saying. It all began with God. And he is saying. That God came. John is saying. God came. When you look at Christmas. The coming of Jesus. You are not only looking at baby being born. You are saying. God came. To this world. God came to this world. And he planned it. And he thought of it from eternity beyond. God came. God came. Why did he come? Because we, we needed him. We are in a desperate, desperate places. Now in the book that I was reading. Incent- not not this, the insanity of God. He talks about atrocities he saw in Somalia. With the uh, civil war that happened, as well as the extended the famine, where you know he, they will walk and they will see villages where dead corpses all over the place, and there's bones all over the place. And one of the stories tells about how he's as he's walking down, you know, trying to buy, track down to market to buy something. He saw a woman sitting by the tree, leaning in the shade, and you can see her breastfeeding this baby. And he said hi, and when he came back, by the, about an hour or two, when he came back, when he walked, came back, he saw the woman very still, baby crying, and realized the woman died in that hour, feeding the baby. Now, I mean, he talks about things they saw, all kind of things. And he was like literally, one of the chapters he called it, Descent into hell. Really going with tears. He thought this is like a hell on earth. Really. One of, one of the villages, they talk about how, you know, they were helping some village and some, some you know, because everybody's starving. and they're, they're, The problem was, how do we help them out? And, you know, which, which village should you help? When they helped this one village and they gave food and everything. After about a few weeks, they heard the, the other villages came and massacred these people in there. Because, who are you? Why should you get, you know, supplies when you don't have anything? Other villagers came and killed them all and took their things. He talks about how the world we're living in was just crazy and all that. And his question was, God, are you here? Are you here? What I'm getting at is, why, why does John say God came? The point is, God came into the world we're living in because this is a broken world. We may be comfortable here, but we look at not only the difficult place in the world, but even in our midst, the more and Hinduism more and Muslim Islam more and ideologies is lostness of people. Because we are lost, we do not know who we are because we are lost and far away from God. These, all these things are in this world. And God came because this world is in darkness. And God came. That's what John is saying. God came. You see, John, in, in chapter 1, it goes on to say, one, chapter 1, verse 11, he came to his own. And those who were his own did not receive him. And verse 14, and the word became flesh. He's talking about Jesus Christ coming in a human body. He came. I remember a number of years ago you, you know I'm from Hawaii in you know, Hawaii, you know, there are only three major highways in Hawaii highway one, highway two, highway three, literally this way and I remember this is a long time ago when there was no highway three, was so only highway one and two. I remember one long time ago I remember one day and I was i think I was out out in the um, the Red Hill area and where the uh, military base was, and I was coming back on Highway 1. And road was blocked for th- three hours. Nothing moved. What the heck is going on? We were just uh, and then later found out in the news an important person was visiting the island, small island Hawaii, and that they had to provide security, so all the roads were blocked. It was in 1990, so. 90s, see it was. First Lady Hillary Clinton was in the small state Hawaii, and whole road got blocked because important was visiting. In our small state. What John is saying is the God, who created heavens and the earth, who was from the beginning, who has given up life, He came. He came, that's the, that's the message of Christmas. It's not just a being baby being born in a nice, cute, pretty way. No, it's God who came, this m- m- mighty God, who was God, who is God, who is forever God. He came to this world. That's what Christmas is about. It's more than all the Christmas gifts and all those, and he, God came. Why? 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 John 3.16. I believe John 3.16 is probably the most christmas Christmasy verse in the whole Bible. I think this verse talks about Christmas better than any other verse in the Bible. It said, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is why, because the world was perishing. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. So whoever who believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God gave His Son because the world was perishing. Why? And you know, and one of the things where it's very clear: we know that we were not chosen by God because we were smarter or handsome or. Or, or, or nicer. Surely that's not true. Maybe handsome for me. I don't know about you. But you know, that's not why. Why did God choose us? One of the, one of the interesting, I mean, one of the stories that, one of the stories that I loved in the book was when Dr. Nick was traveling in, in, in China with visiting underground church leaders. And one time he had to go on a 24-hour Travel and he was hiding in the back seat because they don't want this white person's face showing up and whatnot. So he's hiding in the back, lying down. And they came to this really in the farm area where, and, and they, there were 150 underground church leaders gathered from one movement. They, this, this movement had over 10 million Christians in the group. Um, why am I telling this story? My, my mind is. It's, it's so concerned by this. Uh, it'll come back to me. It'll come to me. I love that. You should get the book, okay? By the way, it, 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 the Christian, CBDChristianBook.com is having a sale. $5 only. I ordered for you. So uh, if you're nice to me, I may get you one. Uh, okay. I, I still forgot. I don't know why I'm talking about this story. Uh, it'll come back to me. Let me go back. God, so, God, oh, I, 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 know, I know, now, now it come to, came back to me. One of the stories I said, and he, you know, he was telling, I, I, he was saying, You're so excited about what God is doing in China, how before the communists took over, there were less than 50,000 Christians in China. Within 20, 30, 40 years of communist regime, there were over 100 million Christians on the ground, churches are thriving. And many of these pastors going to jail or not and still thriving. And, and he was talking about, and, and they were asking, are there, other, are, there other, are there any other believers outside of China? They thought only Chinese, they were in China was Christians. When they talked about the Christians in other countries, like in, 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 in America, they were like so excited to hear the story that there are Christians outside of China because they were so isolated. When, when, when they asked, tell me about your country, how the Christians... How, and when you tell them how they are able to worship at any time, and you can go to any any time, you can choose any Christian doctor to go and worship. It could be treated for, and all those you have a seminary to go and train your pastors. For them, one of the things they said was, "Prison is our seminary training place." So I remember and, so the, and, and when they are telling what what's happening in America, these Christians are saying, "Why God? Why do you love them so much more than us?" And Dr. Nick said, no, I see God moving and new people getting healed. One of the the underground pastors was saying, they were saying, what does your unbelieving neighbor say of who you guys are? And literally the the, uh, the underground church pastor said, they call us those people who raised the dead. And he said, you're telling me we are blessed? I see what God is doing in your midst, all the things. I see God is doing amazing. No, they are they saying, no, what God, why do you love them more than us? They can go to worship anytime they want. They don't have to go to jail for worshiping God. They, 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 and, 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 and so you, you don't have to go to jail to learn about you know, uh, uh, missionary training, uh, pastor training. They have a school for those things. You are more so much more blessed. i talking about how... Um, Blessed, they are all different and they were going on. Now let me, I, I don't know how this fits into my, my message here. But we think that we are, we are, God chose us because we are somehow good or not, good or some are smart because we love God more, any of those. No, it's simply because God said, for God so loved the world. And I like what somebody said, you, God did not pick you because you are great. God picked you because he is great. Isn't that good? God didn't pick you because you are great, but God picked you because he is great. Amen? He's great in his mercy. For God so loved the world. This is why. It's not because we did anything good, but because God so loved the world, he gave his son to come. You see, when we come to Advent, Advent and this Christmas season, what Apostle John wants us to understand is that is that Advent is a time to see how great our God is. Advent is a season to see how great his love for us. More than all the gifts we give one another, or not, no. Advent, first of all, is a time to remember how great God is. This great God, is because of his great love, he came and loved us. That's what Christmas is about. More than all the mangers, all the things, I don't know about you, my wife, right after Thanksgiving Day, she had to bring up the, you know, the Christmas tree and set it up, put all the lights on, you need to put the, you know, that, uh, uh, manger, that that uh, figurines, you know the nati- nativities, things out there. We have to do that. My wife did it, but all by herself. All I did was carry it up. And she did, does everything. You see, qu- Advent season is so much more. It is a time we come to Advent season remembering how great God is, how great His love for us is, and that love that drove Him, God, to send His Son us that's what Christmas is about you know, and and Matthew will remind us God God's Matthew will remind us when you come to the, the advent you remember our God is God of promises God of covenant who is faithful the, and, and the Luke says Advent, when, when you come to the coming of Christ you worship him in every turn The Mark says, when you come to heaven, you prepare by repent and believing that he is. When Hillary Clinton, first lady, came to Hawaii, everything stopped. Everything stopped. Everything stopped because this important person came to this tiny little state, Hawaii our God of heavens, who created heavens and the earth, who was from the beginning, who created all things, who has given up life, that God, out of his love, came to earth. That's what Christmas is about. You come and remember how good our God is. This is not in my note, but if I were to add one more thing, I'm almost done, if you can praise him, can get ready? Now, if I were to add one more thing, our God is God, is who sends his best to save the world. That's our God, isn't he? That's what Christmas says. If that's the God, God who sends his best to save the world, that God tells us when we, when we are his, when we become his sons and daughters, he, called, he he sends us out to the dark places as well. To save. If he sent the only begotten son out to the world to save, he will send his sons and daughters by born by the Spirit of God. We will send us out as well to save the lost and the fine, hurting and broken. That's what Christmas is about. The greatness of our God. Our God is Son sending, His child sending, missionary sending God. Amen. Our God is good. Amen. Thanks. Christmas time, we give. Remember the goodness of greatness of our God. Thanksgiving, we Thanksgiving we give thanks for God. All the, all the things He has done. Christmas, we begin by remembering how great our God is. How great his love was. us is. Amen. I, I do need to. I'm from now on, now on, every Sunday, I'm gonna take time to even though it is it might be redundant I, want, I need to put something in the every message I want you to know if God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son so you will not perish but have eternal life that God that God calls us to respond to him if you have never known God who, who loves you if you have never really received Christ as Lord and Savior of your life if you have never accepted him as a God of your life then you need to find Christmas. You need to find Christ in your life. its its It will is, it is, be the worst thing ever that you come to worship God and do not know Him and do not find life in God. That will be the worst thing ever. I need to share and I invite you. Every time we come together, no matter where, we need to invite you and all of us to come to know Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. I don't think I've done that often because I just assume that all of us are Christians. I do, need, I do need to say, if you have not known Christ Jesus as your Lord who came on earth to save us, you need to come to know Christ. You need to find life in Christ our Lord, our Savior. You, I, tell, I told you a couple of weeks ago, my granddaughter who is five and a half years of eternity, five and a half years old, eternity, about, about three weeks ago, one of the night talking having a you know a a bedtime Bible story with her dad accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior five and a half year old became become Christian became Christian and there she understood the sin and she that night accepted Christ and my my son-in-law told me how she was on the bed laughing for about ten minutes he thought it was a very Holy Spirit-guided prayer, laughter, a joyful laughter, because this five-and-a-half-year-old could accept Christ and know Him as a Savior of our life. I want to challenge you. If you have never known Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are invited to come and find Him who loves you so. Amen? Let's all stand. Let's all stand. in this advent christmas season the season that remembers the coming of our lord jesus let's let's enter this season remembering and and seeing and worshiping god for his greatness how he how great his love for us let's begin this season every turn love him and honor him for who he is what he has done Christmas is more than just gifts and, and the festivities and all that. It's so much more. It will come and remember to worship Him and honor Him. Amen. Let's come together in prayer. Father, we love You. We honor You. We give You glory for Your love for us. Oh God, we thank You. You saw us in this broken world. World that is perishing. Filled with violence and lies and deception. Lord God, you planned and you thought for eternity to save us. God, you came to us on earth to save us and make a way for us. We love you for who you are. We give you great, we we give you praise for your great love for us. Thank you, oh God, your thoughts for us. In the beginning was the word, word was with God, word was God. We thank you, our God. We love you today. We thank you for this special season. Remember the coming of our Lord Jesus. Let the truth of your love that came be shared everywhere, God, even through us, to our neighbors and our family and those around us, God, to the end of the year. We love you in the name of our Lord Jesus. We pray, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I wear a gun, I look really fat because when I wear when I wear a suit in there you know it sticks out like this makes me look bigger than I am hope you will look smaller today right got it okay that was good okay alright okay guys kids come in sit next to your parents sit on their lap okay sit with them this is uh, one of my favorite times in the church when the kids come in with the parents we celebrate uh, Christ together I love it I love this tradition we have because I really believe our faith should be a family thing. It's just not me becoming saved. It's not just me. Family. You'll find in Joshua 24, it says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I love the fact that our children get calm and worship God together, celebrate God's love for us how great, how wonderful it is that the first Sunday of Advent season we celebrate communion. That God came and died on the cross for us. God came to save us from the power of sin. God came to be our bread, be our juice. God came to give us hope and life in this broken world. Our God is good. Amen. Amen. Kendall, can you come? I want to come. come. I want you to help me, okay? okay. I want you to help me, okay? okay? I want you to hold the bread, okay? Turn around, I want you to hold the bread. Okay. Okay, okay. Chindo. What is this bread about? What does this bread say to us? What does this bread mean? What do you think? Bread reminds us of Jesus dying on the cross, right? His body broken for us, right? Right? You want to break it? Half? Okay. all right thank you See, I, I don't know if you I don't know if you can a picture this right in early church see early church was mostly all house churches they did their buildings would not because if they had a building they would be persecuted by Romans and Jews as well the most of them are house churches meaning when this when they celebrated communion they did it as a family can't you not see Parents talking to kids about what this bread is about. I could see parents talking about, you know what this is? And, and, and how when they pour the you know, the wine or the juice, and and, and, and when they celebrate the communion, there's a new covenant that I made in my blood, Jesus said, and i talking with the kids about, you know what this means? Jesus died and shed his blood. He made a new covenant promise with us through his death and resurrection that we will be his people amen Christ our Lord our God came on earth to save us as we always say is this even if you're not baptized yet if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior You're more than welcome to take part in this communion. Even the little ones who are baptized as as a body, into the family of God, you are invited into the family of God, into the communion as well. As as a household of family of God, you are invited into the table to remember God's goodness. Amen? What's wrong? I feel like people are looking at me because okay thank you let us pray can I ask you to put your hands on your heart everybody put your hand on your heart okay. put your hands on your heart okay God we thank you for loving us thank you for touching our hearts today reminding us how you so love us oh God God, you so love us. You gave your only son, Jesus, that we may, when you believe in him, we may not perish but have eternal life. We thank you for your grace, God. We thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you for the love our Lord Jesus had for us. We give you glory today, God. We ask that his death and resurrection and life will be fully lived in us by faith. We'll walk as and live as sons and daughters of God people that belongs to you, God. We give you glory. May we be those you send out into the world to save and find those that are lost. We love you. We give you glory, God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.